But I kept thinking this is such a massive industry that I can't believe no one else is going to come in and really clobber us in this market. And I was feared I was fearing the competition more than seeing the opportunity. This is, you know, like uh, 10 years ago, all the way up to about five years ago. And then we started doing things like the NFL scouting combine, the Army games, the All-American games, pretty high-profile events. And I really started to see that this is a great uh, great industry, and there is nobody else in this little market segment. And let's really build this business and get it to the next level and just prove that we can be delivering results to athletes. And that's kind of how we got to where we're at today. But one of the things we do a little different than a lot of other companies is that we design and build everything here in the United States in our shops here in Colorado. So it's, um, it allows us to do one, uh, to do our own manufacturing. So we're not at the mercy of an overseas group, but secondly, we can kind of build stuff first and then test it and then make it great. So we kind of have a slogan, we build it, engineer it and make it great. Yeah, kind of in that order, which is exactly opposite of what you see in a major corporation. They would build, they would engineer it, design it, and model it, and, and then maybe test it, and then build it, and then see what works. So I know the best is probably somewhere in between what we're doing right now, where we build it, engineer it, make it great, versus exact opposite. But what we got is worked so far, and uh, we've got a lot of systems out there, and we're testing um, a lot of. Um, you know, youth athletes all the way through the professionals. Um, so I, I, I want to dive into, uh, you know, your your foundation there, and I think uh, your foundations are really interesting. Um, now, you yourself are uh, were an engineer or were originally building a lot of the, the products that you worked with back in your engineering company? Right. Yeah, so I come from a total engineering background, and – um, done basically, you know, basically all my career has been building stuff and engineering stuff and, and making, making things work and making things happen. And it hasn't been in the sports industry. So I think um, um, it's a lot of the other companies and the entrepreneurs I see in the sports industry are your typical, you know, really motivated coach to make a better product or make something. They, they come from the sports industry and they're trying to make something for the sports industry, where I came at it from a totally different direction, where uh, we make stuff for industry and industrial applications, and we found the, the application for that in the sports industry. So not having the preconceived idea of what something needs to be allows us to really kind of see the forest from the trees or just really be able to listen to the market very, very objectively and not um, you know, not have all the, the 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 baggage and the legacy, if you will, of the way things are supposed to be done in an industry. And I think that's been one of the reasons that we've been able to develop and deliver products and um, reports for the industry that's just very useful and, and applicable. We're not trying to take our opinion as to what how things should be but really really listen to the market and that's the most important thing i think that we or any other entrepreneurs and people trying to get started in the industry can do is just really listen to it and don't try to make your own judgments on stuff but they'll tell you what they're looking for 
What, what advantage do you feel you had when you, uh, you you jumped into this business with the fact that you had no no sports background uh, per se? What, what what do you think was the advantage uh, that you had diving into the sports industry? Was it was it well, that there, you had no bias towards anything? I think that's a really big thing, but also the sports industry by definition is so competitive and the way I've been getting into a lot of these different sports things other than football for example is we can walk into industry leaders and say this is the way the standards are this is from the true science behind performance and looking at it not from a a competitive sports perspective but from this is the science behind performance, and this is the standard for assessing athletes. And we can do that without having any of the, um, you know, again, the, the, the baggage and the legacy of what uh, different programs have built themselves up to be. So now, with that, business, we're able to really enter these yeah. other areas. Uh, go ahead. And, and that, you know, that explains, obviously, your, your superior technical expertise. What about in then – uh, you would say, you know, the disadvantage in that would be that uh, you have a situation where, uh, from a business standpoint, you don't initially have the connection. So what what, what were some of the things that, that you had to go and do uh, to go and make those industry-based connections uh, coming from a purely technical space? Uh, I think it was taking a lot of risk and doing a lot of things in the hopes that this was going to be a good thing to do going forward. For example, uh, when the NFL scouting combine um, asked us to be a backup timer for them, I mean, we didn't get any compensation or anything from that, uh, nor do we to this day, um, that, uh, you know, we just did it. And just knew this was going to be a good thing for us and that there was absolutely no money in it and there was no economic reasons on the short term for doing this, just taking a risk. And it's taking a lot of calculated risks in the industry where we could get a door to be open. And we just, we, we jumped on it and just did things. I think that's what it takes if, uh, if you're not, you know, really, really well known in the industry. But it's really just playing the hand you're dealt. And if we didn't have a good hand where we were well known in the industry, we had to use that to our advantage. And we had to just walk into different places and say, and just be honest and say, hey, I'm not going to argue with you whether the 40-yard dash is an applicable test or the 5105 means anything. If this is what the standards are, hey, we're going to do it, and we're going to do it the best. So I think that's where you just have to, again, play the hand you're dealt. And if you don't have the industry connections, um, you really find and um, communicate to whoever you're trying to work with in the industry and just – um, you know, make it so make it work, make it happen, and deliver results. I, I want to touch, and I think it's really interesting um, because you're, you're right. So many people come from the sports approach and, and then try to figure out technology. Um, I think the technologist has an advantage from that standpoint, especially that you know we're talking obviously football, but it could be any sport where. Um, where testing components come in and and uh, things like wearables are becoming more and more prevalent and measuring measuring things. Where, where do you um, where have you found your greatest advantage going from being 
and, and engineer working for a corporation to building your own company to now having, you know, a startup that is, is a fast-rising startup in, in the sports tech space. Uh, what, what have you found has been the advantage versus being in corporate, um, it being out on your own? And, and what's the disadvantage, Tim? Well, I mean, there's a, a lot of advantages of being in a, a big corporation where you do have departments that do things that you end up doing on your own, you know, like the whole IT department. When I was back in a big corporation, you know, the, my phone didn't work. You, I mean, someone came down in their little cart and fixed your phone, fixed your computer and everything. You had a lot of economies of scale with that versus your own corporation. You end up doing everything. It's everything from cleaning the toilets to designing new circuit boards to running machines to manufacture stuff. So that's where it's really um, challenging as, as a small company to um, keep everything moving without having the support staff like you do in a big corporation. But I think the advantages of being uh, small and agile is that there's like no decision process you have to go through that if it's something seems right, you just do it. Like if it just it seemed right to do the NFL scouting combine for the first time, I didn't have to ask anybody. I just did it, and that's the kind of rapid response and um, you know market development being agile to really deliver results to the market that it takes to uh, you know beat the competition and you know be the best in the market sector. But I think again the most part I keep going back to is like if you just really really listen to the market. I didn't really know much about sports, and I, you know, I played football like my freshman year in high school, and that's about the end of it. So I'm not a big sports guy by any stretch of the imagination. But when you know that, you can just listen very, very carefully of what people want and what they're missing and, and what they need. And also, you can just really listen for uh, market cues to know what they're looking for. Versus if if you're grown up in an industry. And you just know this is the way it is. I mean, you've got certain things that you were brought up with. Your coaches have taught you. You just kind of, this is the way it is. But when I'm coming at it from a different angle, it's like, I don't know the way it is. I'm going to listen very carefully to what this market's looking for and deliver exactly what they want. I think that's one of the things that a lot of entrepreneurs miss. I mean, that that understanding and, and I guess on your sales calls and, and doing your research, figuring out, um, especially establishing a new new slant on an industry, um, you have to do your research to figure out what what can make you successful um, in that industry and help you to feel, figure out the different parameters that are important of it. What what are, what are some of the uh, um, pains that you've had to go through in starting up this company? You, you built a, a successful engineering firm. Uh, you took the plunge into this new space and. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I'm sure you're a builder junkie. So uh, what were the parts that were, you know, the pains of building up that startup? Oh, it, it, everything's really hard. <laughs> I'm not trying to discourage anybody from following your dreams and, you know, making a business happen. But it's everything. Is, it's, it's very hard to even a simple thing. I'll put it this way. The original thing that we did for, um, like this group from the Olympic Training Center, was designing a, uh, a slight modification to the flag system for the vertical jump. You think, how hard can that be? And um, it's hard. I mean, there's like almost nothing that's really easy 
when it comes to product development. And if you think it's going to take, um, you know, a week, it could probably take three months. And, you know, that's the thing I think that's just been so hard is being able to, one, balance everything, but secondly, being able to, um, just in time frames, be able to develop stuff and, and make stuff happen. It's um, And it's tough being able to go from an idea to a product. And things that you think are easy, eh, they're, they're rough enough. If you think they're easy, you probably don't really understand the problem well enough. Um, just speaking yeah, from experience, it uh, doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> and got to be patient yeah, with this. I mean, it's taken me 10 years to get the business to this area right now. So that's just when it takes a lot of patience. What, what do you find is that the thing you most enjoy about um, uh, the process of building your product and, and getting it out to the marketplace? What's the thing that you most enjoy about that and and how do you continue to capitalize on that feeling? I like seeing things happen, building stuff. Always from everyone as a kid, I like to build stuff and, you know, actually make things and make something tangible that, you know, people can use or you can use and you can see your results. I know everybody's got their, you know, strong point, you know, accountants like to see numbers and stuff, I, I would presume. And, and, you know, just um, lawyers like to to see, you know, um, documents and things, I guess. But I like to see things built. And I think that's just really rewarding to just know that you could have an idea one day and you actually made something, you actually created something that was new and just hasn't been out there. And then I think the exciting thing is, is just looking at the um, – just really trying to optimize the hand you've been dealt and just figure out, how to really fit this into an industry and just getting really creative as to how to market this. And again, just, that's just where the, um, um, the, the, the fun is when you just really listen to the market. And that's, um, will tell you exactly the way to go with a lot of your ideas and your products and just making things happen. As far as um, penetrating the NFL, and this is a place that obviously a lot of people like to do business with, and um, you know you've been able to be on the uh, during the NFL Combine for for everyone out there. He, when you see the timing system that's out there, and you see those times come across, and 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 Mike has really changed the marketplace for getting accurate timing. Uh, obviously, most people know the forty-yard dash, but across all the different testing parameters. Um, you penetrate the NFL, which is probably one of the hardest market place companies to penetrate for, for an outside firm. The NFL loves to um, develop, you know, develop their own things or partner with their own things and to be able to, to, to control it um, and it's part of their success. What would be some of the things that, you know, you were able to do to work with the NFL and, and, and get everybody there on your side to understand you know, what you do so well is different from everyone else? Well, um, just doing what you say you're going to do and and just really following through has been the main thing with the NFL scouting. And that's really been the majority of what we've done with, um, uh, with professional football is at the NFL scouting. And, you know, the, the first few years we did it, you'd just be very, very uh, careful to ask everybody, 
all right, if we come back next year and do this again, what do you want to see different? What do you want to be improved? And and for the most part, I'd always hear nothing. Do it exactly the same way you're doing it. And, you know, that's been great. But we found some other areas that, for example, feeding the the real-time clock signal to the NFL media, um, that was something that up to uh, all the way into 2014, the commentators and the NFL media had to rely on um, essentially what would be a, a stopwatch time for the live reporting during the, the scouting combine. And what we've been able to do over the last two years is take a signal from our computer, my computer on the floor, directly to the NFL media trucks and show that real-time signal on the NFL media. Although that's still the unofficial time, that'll uh, match very, very close, if not exact, to what the official times really are. But this allowed the commentators to say with confidence that, you know, uh, Player X's 40-hour dash time was Y. So really following through and just um, being very controlled with it and uh, just doing the right things. As far as advice you would give to someone starting up a business in, in the tech space like you have, well, what would be some of the things that you would give as far as advice for people um, that's getting into a field in the tech space and, and, and doing business in that space? Oh, I you know, really encourage them to, you know, just, just do it. And I think that's – we've never really had um, a business plan. We've never really had, um, you know, really organized – you know, I knew where we wanted to go with this, but – you got to just kind of stay agile and just kind of, you know, roll with it. And then, you know, the opportunities will often present themselves and just be careful to know that what you think uh, the market needs may not be what they need. And if uh, you got to be agile enough to be able to adapt to the market and just deliver them what, what they're looking for, not what you think. And even from the, business development and things going forward after you do become established in an area just to really increase the the barriers to entry for the competition just you got to stay one step ahead of that and just really um um you know just you know just make sure you're delivering the results to the market that they're looking for books that you've read I'm curious, and mentors that you've had. What, what were, uh, I guess, let's we'll start with the first question on uh, books. What, what are some of the things in, in business that, that you rely on book-wise that you would recommend to other people? Honestly, yeah, I haven't read a book in a long time. I've been really busy on this uh, the business here. But, you know, I think in terms of, of um, mentors and things that I've learned from people in the past, um, you know, there's always these little takeaways. Um, when I was doing uh, my MBA at the University of Denver, you know, I remember just, you know, certain things like um, we did this one MBA-type exercise where it was kind of a role-playing game called the Oogly Orange, where one person had all the Oogly Oranges and one person needed to, uh, a, a fancy restaurant in Tokyo and one person was saving the kids in Ethiopia or something like that. And that you try to maximize your money with that. And um, everybody kind of gets in trying to get all the oranges, one area, get all the, everything somewhere else and that. 
if um, it's one of those role-playing games, and when you looked at one person just needed the orange peels and one person needed the orange. And if you just would have stopped and said, all right, what do you need and what do you need, you could have made a lot more money and made a lot more people happy with that. So I think it's just really, you know, understanding and remembering things that are totally, you know, not even related to what you're doing and how they're applicable to what, um, you know, where you're going with it. You know, uh, another example is um, at, at all of our events we're doing right now, you know, we'll, we'll do events with up to a thousand athletes coming into our events. And there's, there's two things that you hear all the time. You hear the coaches down on the ground saying, all right, athlete, it's on you. And then the other thing you hear is the kids always running back to the start of the 40, say, what I get, what I get. And I think just listening to that right there, um, that has really set a lot of direction for what we're doing as a company. It, it's on you. I mean, think about that. The athlete starts the time, the athlete stops the time. And we're giving them the results and the tools that make it. It's on them now. And it's on them to, to figure out how they want to improve themselves, how they want to get better. I think the other thing is getting back to the start line is what I do, how did I do, how did I do? And it's delivering results to the market fast. So, I mean, I think those are the things that, you know, you don't often hear this from a book or anything, but you're hearing it from just everything from the, the cocktail parties to the events that you're at right now. And just, you know, really listening to what the people are saying kind of tells you what to do. And, and capitalizing that from learning what people have said to you, um, is where do you see the industry going in respect to the timing and sports science? It's a rapidly growing industry. Um, you know, for years you, you've been, and I've known you, you know, for quite a while, you've been touting what, you know, and evolving your product for, but now is the boom time for it. Um, where do you see the industry as a whole going? Well, I think, just using that last example, the kids coming back to the beginning, what I get, what I get. We're brought up in this society right now where we get real-time results. You're playing Nintendo, you press a button, you see something happen. You're watching Fox News and something blows up on the other side of the world, you're seeing it. And I think having these, um, uh, getting these real-time results back to an athlete is where things are going to continue to go, and we need to be doing that. For example, uh, we build a force plate that measures how much force an athlete develops, um, you know, on the ground, ground-based forces. And so we've got it so where you can, say, be doing your vertical jump on a force plate. You jump up, you, you hit a flag, say you're at 27 inches, you see how much force you generated, and you're correlating what you just did to your results, cause and effect. And I think this real-time feedback, because like when the athlete does something, and they know it right away that that worked or that didn't work, you know, to develop. Or a lot of times with the 40-yard dash, we take four pictures at the start line. We take a picture before the time starts, as the time starts, 0.1 seconds and 0.1 seconds. We show the top athlete at every event, and then we show the athlete who just ran. The athlete who just ran obviously is not the top, and, and you say, why aren't you the top? You say, look, athlete, you stood up and then started to run. Don't do that. See what athlete number one did? He exploded forward. Do this, not that. And the guy, oh, I get it. So I think having this real-time feedback, and especially for athletes who are training, they got short attention spans and short memories, and that when you just get this muscle, you just know you did something right, and you can get that verification of it, that's important. And that's what 
I think the industry is going to continue to go to. That's really interesting is that the immediacy um, in getting out on platforms, I guess there's going to have to be a way that those kind of things go out, uh, this happily gets it, and then the fans are going to want that uh, immediately, that immediate time span, not just have to sit in front of their television to get it, but they want that feed hitting everywhere they are right now because I know the NFL wants them sitting in front of the television but eventually they're gonna they're gonna want that hitting everywhere and that, that immediacy of information um hitting to every team, every every person in real time. Um what 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 is the biggest single most important factor for you to have continued success in technology, which is an ever evolving industry and, and just obviously specifically, you know, what you're doing with sports? I think the most important factor for success for ours for us is making it usable by coaches and making it so simple but so practical that your you know high school coach and you know you know somewhere um, who may not be a technology trained coach probably a great coach but anything with an on-off switch and electron, and it can cause some coaches challenges that it's got to be so easy and so pedestrian that it's, it's usable. I think that's been one of the challenges for people who develop cool stuff for the industry is that it's got to be usable by not just your average person, but I think, um, you know, someone who might be really a great coach, but it's not really hip on technology and you doesn't, you know, have five computers at home and that kind of thing. So I think that's really the biggest challenge and, and opportunity for entities in the sports industry is just make sure that whatever you're building is going to be usable, easily, easily usable by people who need to use it. And how do you, how do you maintain, uh, Obviously, the technology, the cost, especially in this. How, how do you maintain a reasonable cost in this so that it can it could be consumed, um, you know, without giving away your your secrets, but be consumed uh, by by everybody in the industry, so you can have widespread adaptation uh, of the technology. Well, we're doing uh, two things. One is that we really have kept our prices very, very low, and we've taken a lot of features out of what might be cool to have. You know, there's other system timing systems on the market. I'm not knocking those in any way, um, and they do some cool things. You know, for example, they'll do all this sampling to really figure out where the center of mass is of the body as it's passing a gate and doing some really cool stuff with that. We're not doing that at the NFL scouting combine. You may need that for other things, but um, so we don't have that that magic feature in our systems. And we've kept our our legacy timing systems so simple. They've got an on-off switch and a red reset button, and that's all you need if all you want to know is you know what the 40-yard dash time is and a 10-yard split. You hit the reset button, it all goes away. So I think. Um, you know, keeping everything just at the raw basics of what the coach needs and the athlete needs is, is a really, really good start for keeping the costs low. 
And secondly, just the, uh, the economies of scale and getting the production up. A lot of um, entrepreneurs and companies are really focused in the, uh, the professional sports or maybe the D1 markets. And, you know, we serve those markets very effectively, but my end game is the high schools. Um, you know, there's only 2,000 colleges in the U.S., but there's 35,000 high schools. And that's the market that I feel is just wide open right now, and that's the market that we're catering to. And with that market right there, you got to just be very cost conscious that um, you know, anything under $1,000 is still a lot of money to a high school, a high school program, but yeah, they can often find a way to get it and afford it and make it happen if it's important enough to them. But if you're over 1000 or $2,000, you might as well be a million or $2 million. If you can't afford it, I mean, you're out of the, the realm of it. So I think really keeping things at this price point that the market can handle is great. And the last thing is is, is get creative. Find a way to deliver value that the equipment um, the equipment return um, doesn't cover. For most of our events, um, uh, we don't do this all the time, but we are happy to really heavily discount our equipment, if not even just loan for free or give it away, because what we do with the data coming from our, our hardware is of more value than the hardware itself. For example, what if the, the infamous 40-yard dash, once we get the data from these events right here, we can tell whether an athlete is picking up positions as they're running the 40 or losing positions. And just with that data alone, we can make a, an athlete prescription as for what they need to be working on. And then in a very cost-effective manner, we can you know, sell these reports to the parents and the athletes to how they get better. This is like their prescription for success. And in, in that model right there, the price of the equipment and the hardware, it kind of gets lost in the rounding. And so you're really sharing the, um, the equipment costs and the development costs of the equipment by delivering results. And with that from the recurring revenue perspective, is just you know very very profitable but also it delivers what the athlete needs the athlete doesn't care how fancy the timing system is they probably don't care what brand or anything it is the athlete wants to know what they need to do to get better the parent wants to know how close are they to getting a d1 scholarship and that's what they care about they don't really care about whether you're using a, a black timer a red timer if it's got a you know buttons all over it they care about what they want to do next how do you create something that might be considered a mild luxury into a necessity? Uh, for example, in the high school market with coaches, uh, how, how do you create that urgency in, in the marketplace? It's parents and athletes are, um, they're a great market. I mean, you, you understand, um, um, I, I am a parent, you know, I hang out with parents all the time and parents will do anything for their kids if they know what to do. And parents are often confused, you know, is, is my kid good enough to play college ball? Is, um, um, do we even want to be able to have the option for him to potentially try out for a college team? So what we can really do with that is just find out what do the, you know, the athletes and the, the parents, are they really looking for? And, how do we deliver those results? 
And so what what we've what we've been very successfully doing is, um, you know, like when you go into college, you got to take the standardized academic test. Everyone takes the SAT or the ACT. You just know it. To get into college, that's what you do. And there hasn't been the equivalent of that for the sports industry to date because um, there has have many standards. So what what we're doing right now is we just created the standard. And we're not even created it. We're just using what the NFL does and saying that this is the standard and delivering the, the process for doing that. And so to create this sense of, of urgency and need is – we're getting as many strength coaches and college uh, um, athletic admissions and uh, scouts to understand that this is the certified results for an athlete. And with this, you can be assured that if you're looking at a person from California to New York, you're going to know that they all took the same test. It's the exact equivalent of trying to get into a big-name school and having your dad grade your SAT in the back of the book. It ain't going to fly. You got to go to take the SAT test at a high school, you know, you have it in a formalized test. And that's the exact thing that colleges and development programs are going to be looking for now as well. If you, you got to, if you're going to do it, do it right, do it the way the NFL does it, and just don't argue about it. You just decide how the game is played. You know, there was a few years ago, there was a, maybe about a handful of years ago, there was a company called. I don't know if you ever heard of it, called NATS, that attempted to do what you did, but they had a fundamental flaw, which means that they weren't doing the, the automatic timing system, and they weren't um, they weren't utilizing not just the automatic timing system, but they weren't utilizing timing experts. So they utilized high school coaches do, and they spread wide and pretty deep nationally, but no one understood their standards or valued their standards. Um, how, how, from a communication standpoint, how, how do you communicate to the the stakeholders, uh, parents, athletes, and then college coaches, or you know, when you work with the NFL, NFL coaches, how do you manage all those stakeholders, and how do you communicate the importance of everything to all those stakeholders? I think you have to make it very, very simple, and you have to you know kind of draw on an analogy that everybody understands. For example, everybody knows you got to take the SAT, the standardized academic test, to get into college. And this is what we have right now, is that this is the standardized athletic test. So it's just got to be everyone's going, well, duh, and everybody has to be taking the same test for this to really have value to the industry. And um, so I think it's really communicating that, um, that this is just the standard, but doing things in a way that no one's going to argue with you. And again, like if the NFL scouting does it this way, just, just do it that way. Don't, don't argue about whether running 40 yard dash is um, a good test or not, or, um, or anything. This is the SAT test that professional football is using. Just do the same thing. So I think when you're really selling this to the stakeholders is making it um, pedestrian enough that people really understand it or understand it enough to know what's good and what's bad. At so many events that um, you know kids have gone to and go to, that they're often handed a handwritten three by five card with some handwritten numbers on it, and say, "Okay, here's your numbers. Good luck. Come see us again." And parents will do anything for the kids if they know what to do. And what we're doing is that we're going that next step and just showing 
how that data, um, what the data means, uh, what they need to work on for such a simple term. Do you need to work on your start or your top end speed? Those are your choices. We don't get any further than that. And just that alone has enough value to the parents that they know what to do. And it keeps the, the athlete engaged in this whole process. So I think um, you know, really delivering to the stakeholders and putting it into terms that they understand are, are important. And, and lastly, like we do the power index. Um, that's, one, that's something that we developed to, so we can have one winner at our events. So like if we're doing a thousand person combine, how do we know who's the best athlete? It's tough. How do you compare a big offensive lineman to a little bitty running back? And we've developed the power index that will show it's essentially like a power to weight ratio for an athlete. But what we've done for that is that we've calculated this based on all the publicly available information each year for the NFL scouting so that um, we can show the athlete how they compare to the professionals. And we do enough with D1 colleges that we can do it for big college programs. So from the high school we show the athlete where they are, where they hope to be, and where they dream to be, and, and how to get there from that. That has nothing to do with the equipment. And I think that's the thing to the takeaway from this is that it's not just the equipment and the hardware that, we're, that we manufacture. We're delivering results, but we're delivering results in a way that makes sense and are just you know kind of somewhat common sense, but that takes a lot to go from an abstract concept like how good is an athlete to something that's actionable and understandable by the parents and the athletes. Well, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, if there's any tips you'd like to leave, oh, first of all, where can where can people find you um, on, on Twitter, and, and what's the best way to reach uh, your company? Uh, we're on Twitter, and um, our website is Zybeck Sports, Z-Y-B-E-K Sports.com. And um, we've got you know, all the products that uh, we sell are on the website right there. And in the next couple of weeks, we're updating everything. We've come out with a new line of even easier-to-use products for timing the 40 and the vertical jump and developing a lot of the athleticism. And definitely follow us on Twitter. Awesome. I, I appreciate you coming on. If you can give one piece of advice to someone trying to build a business out there or ready to start a business, what would that piece of advice be? Uh, it's going to sound like kind of like an oxymoron, but have a plan, but go with the flow. Very interesting. Have a plan, but go with the flow. Don't get caught up uh, in, in just getting stuck on your plan. Go out there and basically do it but know what you want to do. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, people go to DiveXSports.com, at DiveXSports on Twitter uh, to talk more with Mike or ask him any questions. I encourage you to do that. Uh, I really appreciate you being on, on the uh, podcast. It's always a pleasure, and I enjoy working with you and wish you very much success. Great. Hey, thanks for having us on. I really appreciate it. All right. Have a great day. That was... Mike Weinstein from Zybex Sports, I think he really covered some really interesting things. First of all, uh, you know, as an engineer and, and what I would call one of those brilliant guys out there, he left corporate to really focus on an opportunity where he can go and succeed on his own and make his own way. And, and he talked about uh, just going out and building. He loved to go out and build it and, and, and see the product in the market space and see what happens with it. 
Um, and then the other thing I thought that he touched on, which was really critical, is make sure that you, you go into whatever industry that is, whether you're building a product or a service solution, you understand what the marketplace wants. And I think he really took the time to go and find out what was wanted in the marketplace coming and being an outsider, um, being an engineer, not necessarily a football uh, or now in all the sports he's doing, uh, a sports expert, but being a technologist, he took the time to understand what was going on in that industry and what can make uh, his product successful. Uh, and, and he's done that. He's really uh, he's a disruptor in the industry. He's changing it. He's forcing uh, the, the announcers. You might have seen a couple times announcers like, why are, are uh, these guys seem like they're running slower? No, the time is really accurate, and that's what it is. Uh, much like a traffic field, when traffic field went to automatic timing, uh, it took a while for people to adjust and understand what the real time was, but now, obviously, that's the norm. You watch the Olympics, it's fully automatic timing. There is no such thing as a hand time. Uh, and so in, in, in sports in high school and, and even the NFL, it was an archaic system that he's now disrupted and changed, and that's an important thing. Understand where you can disrupt the marketplace and go and capture it. Mike has done that. Find out more about him uh, at Zybex Sports on Twitter and ZybexSports.com. Before I sign off, uh, make sure you go and check out our podcast over on iTunes. Rate them. Uh, give us a lot of love. You can go and search either by my name, David Schumann, or by our guests and find those podcasts, and you'll be able to see a lot more. Uh, rapidly becoming one of the biggest podcasts out there, Successful Life Podcast. Tell all your friends. Next uh, next up, we have another subsequent podcast coming out from me talking about entrepreneurship success and the effects of it uh, going forward, both failures and successes with you and your family and how to manage that and how to build your business. I look forward to talking to you. Until next time, this is Dave Schumann signing off.